You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I'm Jesper. And I'm Autumn. This is episode 86 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. And as promised, this episode will cover the results after taking a book off perma-free, like Autumn have done with her book, Born of Water. Yes, I love running my life as an experiment to help other people, (laughs) (laughs) as I seem to be doing constantly. Yeah, yeah. But it's been actually quite a long while since we recorded, even though, of course, for for the listener, well, we released an episode last week and we are releasing one this week. But but we have we had pre-recorded some episodes because of summer holidays. So we actually haven't done this for a while, Autumn. I know it's been three weeks. So yeah, to everyone else, it's been seamless. But for us, it's been three weeks. So I'm so glad to have you back, as I've hinted in the student Q&A that we just had before this, that, you know, even though you did all your homework before you left and we pre-recorded everything, I was still alone in charge of the ship. And (laughs) there's always... (laughs) more in charge of a ship than you realize when you're like, oh, I I tried so hard not to bug you too much, even though I know you were on a staycation instead of a real vacation. But yeah, indeed. No, no, but it's great being back. Uh, It feels nice to get into it again. And uh, even even discovering out of our conversations before the recording that there was a few things that I was supposed to do that I couldn't quite remember the context of anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That means it was a good vacation. So, I mean, how was it in Denmark? I mean, I I know the couple of times that we emailed that you said it wasn't exactly summer weather over there. No, it feels, the whole thing feels a bit odd, to be honest. I mean... I guess I could say it's been fairly a fairly good vacation, but we didn't do any traveling, of course, due to COVID-19 like the rest of the world. So we visited some friends, we had some family over, and we did some day trips here and there with the kids to just go and do some stuff, um, that sort of thing, you know. But uh-huh. yeah, as you said, unfortunately, the weather has not been the best. So yeah, my, my wife said the other day that it f- doesn't feel like a vacation. It more feels like a very, very long weekend. And that's actually a bit how I feel about it too. And I'm actually sure that, you know, because we were all working from home home in this pandemic isolation in, in the month leading up to the vacation, I, I think that hasn't helped on this feeling because it's all just sort of blurred together in yeah. one big mess there. So <laughs> I, I don't know. All in all, it was okay, but I've had better vacations, to be honest. Oh, well. I'm sure you didn't get to go anywhere too interesting, but at least, you know, the family's safe and you did get some time off and got to spend some time with your kids. So, and the wife. Yeah, that's that, always that good. part is nice. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah. I don't know. And the last couple of days, it's starting to get warmer. Like that's, I said that this yesterday to my wife as well. I'll bet you <laughs> once we get into the end of August, once we're fully back to work, then it will start getting really nice and really warm and wonderful, right? And the last couple of days, it has actually started heating up a bit just as we <laughs> returned uh, to work. Uh, and I, I don't know if that 
yeah, I don't know if that's why, but the, both the day before yesterday and yesterday, I had really trouble sleeping. You know, oh, I've no. woken up a dozen of times, also last night. So I, I don't know if it's because it's getting warmer or something, but it's just really annoying. <laughs> that's too Luckily, bad. I, I I fall right back to sleep, so oh, okay. that's that's fine. But it still interrupts the sleep rhythm, yeah. so I yeah I feel a bit tired because of it. And oh, then I guess goodness, today's no, fourteen hours of work <laughs> hasn't helped. I guess. <laughs> no, I was gonna say you just put in this like marathon day. It's like welcome back. By the way, you're in hour fourteen of being awake and getting work done. So. Yeah. Thanks for holding in there. And now you're recording a podcast. So ha, yeah, talk indeed. about needing a vacation now. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's not a good sign when you return from vacation that the first thing you need is a vacation. Absolutely. Oh, I think God. that's typical, though. <laughs> yeah. So, but how has things been on your end over the last three weeks, Oren? Well, besides working myself to the bone on Am Writing Fantasy, no, it's been good. I mean, we had our own, uh, well, I'll share my two big successes. And one is that I yes. mentioned my Adam, uh, my husband, Adam, has been working on a 105-year-old uh, wood and canvas canoe. And oh, nice. we he finally got it to the point where we put it in the water and it floated. So, Yeah, I saw, a- I saw you posted a picture of uh, you sailing in it. Yes, yeah. So I even wonderful. got to, I even got to take it out myself. So I, again, I think that was just so we could see pictures of it from <laughs> from the shore. But uh, right. it was a very <laughs> successful uh, venture, and it's wonderful to see this thing that came to us um, in really horrible condition. I mean, the canvas was rotted and falling off, and uh, Adam mm. didn't even. He's not a huge woodworker. He's become a massively good woodworker <laughs> in the last couple of months, learning how to shape cedar into a canoe and. It we got to it was beautiful and it was paddles really well so that was a wonderful success and then the other thing is uh, it was funny because we've just been talking about this with some of the students um, I've started I usually wrote in the evening and I'd try to get in like five hundred words well I recently said screw checking the news and checking email I'm gonna sit down as first as soon as I get my cup of tea and I'm going to try to write for like forty five minutes and I have topped some days and if I get a chance I'll write again in the evening of you know for maybe a half an hour. And so I've been hitting like two thousand words a day by doing this. So a story that in March was over a year old and completely stalled. If I got a hundred words in, I was felt like I was pulling teeth and really lucky. I'm five chapters away from finishing book one. So I feel I'm in the middle of the climax and it's very exciting. And I have lots of scenes already developed and the plot pretty much developed for books twos and threes. Uh, The rate I'm going, I should finish before December, which means an early late winter, early spring release for a trilogy next year, plus the books we're going to be writing, plus some nonfiction. I'm thinking if everything pans out the way it's supposed to, I'm going to hit 30 books in 2021. I'm feeling pretty pretty good about that. I just feel really good to feel to be writing again and be hitting my word count. So and for us, the summer weather is beautiful. The tomatoes are ripening and we're eating zucchini like it is the only available food source on the planet. So <laughs> it's, it's become a bit of a joke whenever my husband goes out and comes back with a zucchini. But, ah, oh, you know, you can turn them into scones. So I've been experimenting with zucchini quite a lot. It's been a good summer. Uh, I'll take it. I'm hoping August is also equally enjoyable and with a little bit less stress because I'm not the only one in charge of am writing fantasy. 
a week on the internet with the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. So first things first, uh, we want to give a huge shout out and warm welcome to Janine and Eric who joined Ooh. us on Patreon. Yes, I, it was a while you were away and we weren't recording. So it's one of those is at least a little belated, but thank you and yes. welcome. We're so happy for your support. Yeah, so thank you so much to to both of you. Uh, without Patreon and those of you who chime in with just a dollar a month, you know, I, I I can't say for sure that we would keep these recordings going, but uh, because of you, then uh, we will for sure. So thank you a lot for that. And uh, I said, I guess I should also say, if if you, dear listener, haven't considered supporting the Am Writing Fantasy podcast on Patreon yet. We would love it if you could click the link in the show notes and check out the awesome rewards that you can get your hands on by joining us over there. Yes, please come join us. There's lots of great posts and tips and some really good perks like the Q&A sessions we have. So come on, come over and see what we have. Yeah. And I also wanted to mention something else uh, ahead of you might having something uh, to add, uh, Autumn, I don't know. But I wanted to mention that we received an email from our podcast host, uh, and they told us that we have now passed 10,000 downloads of oh. the I'm Writing Fantasy podcast. So that's amazing. I know. That's another big celebration. We have so much to just celebrate today. I mean, when we're recording this, we're actually on release day for three books. So this has just, just been a fantastic summer. 10,000 downloads. We've got books coming out, new courses. This is just... No wonder we're both like, what's, <laughs> what is this task that we're supposed to be doing about? Which, which of our many <laughs> projects? Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, so for sure, a huge thank you to everyone who listens to to the new episodes that we release every single Monday here. Without you, there wouldn't be much point in sitting here in front of the microphone in the first place. So <laughs> thank you a lot. And uh, thank you for getting us to 10,000 downloads. And of course, we hope that there will be much more to come. Absolutely. I mean, we're already in deep discussion about our secret what we're going to do on our 100th episode so that is coming up this fall so that'll be really exciting to announce yeah yeah anything else we need to cover autumn oh nothing i just i know i've been giving a big shout out to our typo slayers for you guys you know this is only what we're releasing this in a week or two. So this is not too far in the past, but as I said, it's release day for our books and just the feedback from the typo slayers, not only their help, but some of those early reviews and also just the personal notes that they put in when they sent in some of the little typos that they did spot for us. Uh, we're really touching and encouraging and we're exactly the reasons why we're releasing these books to know that, you know, these people signed up just to help us fix up the books right before publication. And they came out of it saying that, you know, words like that helped them tremendously, it helped them find their passion again for a story they were working on, and solve all these problems. And it was just like, just, just, wow, it blew me away to know how much we we're helping writers. And I'm just thank you. Thank you for sending in those notes as well as for your help for hitting today and being actually able to release the books. 
Absolutely, yeah. And of course, if the listener here has not checked out those books, then uh, just go to wherever you normally purchase book, if that's Amazon or Kobo or wherever, and uh, search for one of our names, and you will find the plotting books and the workbooks and the story idea book, all three of them just released today as we're recording this on the 3rd of August. So uh, go and check that out. And on to today's topic. Okay, so as we set up top, we're going to talk a bit about how it has gone since you took your <laughs> book one off Permafree Autumn. And, yes. But I, I guess maybe we should just start out by defining Permafree. What does that mean? Sure. Well, and I can also give you a time as long as we, because it's a good discussion of when a book is permafree, which means permanently free. So on Amazon or actually to do this, you have to be wide. You have to be on Kobo and Barnes and Nobles. You have to be on all those platforms. And it, the book has got to be free. No signing up for an email list or anything. This is literally you just go to Amazon and it is listed as a free book. Permanently, not on a five day Kindle countdown, just free all the time every day 24 hours 7 and my book born of water i i don't know how many readers actually or listeners actually know this but for a while i was actually with a publisher and it was when i got my books back in may of 2015 that i put uh born of water which had been initially published in february 2012 um i finally put it on permanently free on in may 2015 and it's been free ever since widely distributed any platform and so this was a big change to say something that's been free for five years i'm going to put a price tag on it and that's what i did this uh end of may i made it 99 cents a huge deal <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and maybe also for context um we talked about whether or not perma-free books is like a viable sales strategy we talked about that back in episode 44 so which was released on the 28th of october 2019 so if if you need some more context then i would say go back and listen to episode 44 and then come back here and and continue listening to this because there we explain a lot about the behind line thinking and strategy about why we don't think that perma free books is a good strategy anymore, uh, but we're not going to dive into all of those details here once again. So if you want that, then go back to episode 44. But otherwise, we're just going to focus on what was the results then from pulling a book away from Permafree and all of a sudden asking people to pay for it. Yes, but that is a great um you know, groundwork for why. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I would choose to do this. One is, you know, at five years into Permafree, the downloads were dwindling. It was harder to give away even a free book because it's been free for so long. There's no excitement about picking up a book that's going to be free next month when it's already been free last year. How many new readers was I really reaching? And we also had this survey, and that was a pretty big eye-opener. And you have the results, some updated results from the survey. And that kind of also got me thinking of, really, should this book still be free? I mean, should a perma-free be permanently free, or should it be something maybe every couple of years you rotate through as you open up a new series? 
Yeah. So maybe we can start that and then you can get into the results of it. Maybe we can start with the survey because as a preparation for episode 44 back then in October 2019, we we had a thinking that, you know, the perma-free strategy is a, is a, well, I was about to say old strategy, but in publishing terms, old just means a couple of years. <laughs> a lot of yeah. things happen uh, during a couple of years, but it's a couple of years old strategy. And our thinking was that I think that the perma-free strategy is losing some of its allure and some of its, its effectiveness. So we created a survey where we basically, instead of us being authors speculating about it, we decided, well, why not ask the readers? So we did. Yeah. And uh, back then in episode 44, we shared the results of all the responses we got for that survey. And uh, of course, now we are in August 2020. So... We have gotten some more responses since then, uh, and I can just go through them one by one here just to, to bring everybody up to speed, and then uh, you can talk about your experiences and results afterwards, uh, Autumn. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I would say first off, before we get into the actual questions and answers, uh, that None of what we said in episode 44 has really changed. It's still the same. We've just gotten more volume on the responses, but the conclusions are still the same. Uh, as I also expected when we recorded episode 44, I also said that I doubted that it would change even though we got more responses. But we do now. We have 575 responses. Uh, so that's quite uh, quite a good, um, let's say, mark for concluding upon i would prefer as i also said back in episode 44 to get a thousand but well we have 575 so yeah do with it what you want but i can just go over it one by one here uh tell you the questions and then the answers Uh, i think there was five so the first question yeah the first question was are you more likely to take a chance on a new author if the book is free and here 32.5% 32.5% says, yes, I prefer to only pay for books written by authors I already know, while 67.5% says, I don't mind purchasing a book from an author I'm not familiar with if the book otherwise sounds and looks interesting. So that was already a bit bit interesting to see, okay? So people actually don't mind giving a new author a chance, even if they have to pay for the book. So at least for people selling their books, that that's that's a good uh, indicator to start with. Absolutely. So we then funneled all of those who said that um, they prefer to only pay for books written by authors that they already know. We then asked only that part of the respondees a separate question. And we then asked them, what if the same book from that same author you've never heard of had great reviews. Could that make you want to purchase the book, even though you normally only pay for books written by authors you know? And then 66.3% yes, that would make me change my mind, providing the book otherwise sounds and looks interesting to me. While only 33.7% said no, I simply don't want to pay for a novel unless I already know that the author, already know the author in question, writes the kind of stories that I like to read. So, yeah, great reviews really matters, as we can see from that questions. Um, and, of course, we can come back to that, but Born on Water has a ton of reviews. 
So uh, that yeah, that I'll helped. be mentioning yeah. that it helps, but it also actually caused a small problem. But we'll come back to that. I'll leave the tension okay. right there. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Now I'm curious as well. <laughs> so uh, then we asked if you bought a book, is it the next book you'll start reading? And here, mm. 40.3% says, yes, I usually start reading it as soon as I'm able, while 59.7% says, no, I often add it to my to-be-read list and will come back to it at some later date. Mm. And then we asked the exact same question, but now we asked, what if it's a free book? So we asked, if you downloaded a free book, is it the next book you will start reading? And now we have... 29.9% saying, yes, I usually start reading it as soon as I'm able, while all of a sudden the 59.7% who before said that they added to the to-be-read list now jump, jumps from 59.7% to 70.1%, who says, no, I, I just added to my to-be-read list. So you're basically losing like a bit more than 10% of people there because it's a free book. They are much more, 10%, more than 10% more inclined. Oh, no, you can't say that. But 10% <laughs> are more inclined to add it to a to-be-read list rather than starting reading it while, as, while they, and it makes sense, right? So if they pay right. for the book, they are more inclined to start reading it right away. That makes sense. Absolutely. It makes sense. Definitely. Yeah. So if we're then assuming that people are adding stuff to their to-be-read list, we were then curious, how long is this to-be-read list then? So we asked people, how many unread books do you have on your e-reader? That being the Kindle, <laughs> the phone, the Nook, or whatever it is that they read books on. And we have 8.2% saying that they don't have any. They always finish their current read before they buy or add a new book. So that was only 8.2%. I believe that. Nineteen, <laughs> No, 17.7% uh, says that they have between 5 and 10. 19% says that they have less than 5. But then the whopping 56% of all the people says that they have more than 10 books in their to-be-read list. Wow. And this was exactly what we were concerned about when it comes to perma-free, that people just download free books, stuff them on their Kindle, and usually they just forget about it. They never get back to yeah. it. More than 10 books, that's a lot just sitting there. And you can't even remember that you had them after a while, right? No. Oh, yeah, you open it up and you're like, oh, yeah. I don't even remember what that's about. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah, because so, you, when you see the cover on your e-reader, you don't see the blurb. You don't no. you don't know why you got it. You, you literally are just going off of a cover and a memory of whether or not it's the next book you read. Yeah, and, and the question is just more than 10, so it could mean that they have even 20 or 30 books sitting oh, there yeah. on the Kindle, right? And they're never going to get to it. So that, that was the whole problem with it. And and again, going back maybe three, four, five years, the perma-free strategy worked really, really well because it was brand new. It was difficult to find perma-free books. So people just loved it. And and they mm -hmm. grabbed the, the free books, they read them, and, and they moved on to buy the rest of the series, which is the whole point of the perma-free strategy, right? But the problem is nowadays, a lot of people offer free books. I do it myself. I have not pulled my book off perma-free, but that's more because of all the tasks related to do it. So I have too much <laughs> else to do, but I really should be doing it. I'm preaching here on the podcast and also in episode 44 that you should be doing it, but I haven't done it myself. So shame on me. But um yeah, I, I think this is the, the jinx of the problem or the core of the problem, right? Uh, 
yeah. there's just too many free books out there. Um, and then to wrap the survey up, we asked, in your view, are free books more likely to be of poor quality than the ones you pay for? And the reason we asked that was basically because at least within author circles, there's been different conversations, you know, on Facebook groups for authors and stuff like that, where authors have been speculating that, well, usually readers will equate free books with poor quality. So we said, okay, fine, let's just ask the readers if that's the case or not and get it out out of the way for once (laughs) and for all. Uh, And actually 80.3% said no. Free books can be just as good as those you I pay for. That leaves only 19.7% who says, yes, in my experience, free books often suffer from issues with editing, plot, characterization, and so on. So I, I think that sort of put that point to rest, right? Uh, in general, readers do not so. believe that free books should be of poor quality or is of poor quality. Which I think is definitely a big win for indie authors that we've come yes. from that initial stigma when independent publishing was first out that you know it just wasn't as good as the others you know the traditional publishers i think we've overcome that and we are indie publishers and authors are shining examples of how good writing can be i agree so yeah that was that update Uh, as i said the conclusions are exactly the same as what i shared in episode 44 we just have a bit of more bit more volume on the responses but uh, yeah which is awesome. So we had this survey that said, you know, perma- we from what we are seeing ourselves, we knew perma-free weren't working as well. We knew readers were willing to pay for a book. I mean, it helps to maybe have the first book as a reduced price, as kind of an intro offer. But, you know, there's also this huge discussion out there of if you're only giving away free books, are you just teaching the people who are reading your books that they should always be free? I mean, I know, I think every author who offers a free book has gotten at least a few people asking questions and saying, can I have the next book for free? You're already giving one away. Why not give away the rest? And uh, most of us hopefully stick to our gun saying, you know, that took two years of my life. And you I know, would the, like at least 99 only, cents. <laughs> yeah. The only reason I can keep writing books is because some people pay for them, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, and so there was all these ideas going on in my head. Uh, we had this survey that was hard facts. I also happen to have joined, uh, I want to give a huge shout out to Brian Cohen. He runs these amazing AMS as author challenges, which run for five days. And so just on a whim, I joined one because I used to run a lot of AMS ads. But when you're running a perma-free, it's really hard to offer that on Amazon. And I'm like, I hadn't been doing it recently. So I thought I joined it to actually work on AMS ads for my bundles and ended up talking to him quite a lot about how do you run this for a perma-free. And he gave me some tips. So I started running Born of Water as a perma-free. And, and at just a really, it's an incredibly low bid rate. And so you're just kind of showing up at the tail end when everyone else is running out of money. You might show up at the end and you start getting noticed a little bit more and get some organic growth. And it was good. So it was something in addition to my normal normal marketing that I'd send out to advertisers like free booksy and all those places where you could, you know, send out your free book. And, but even those, I mean, those were really, I remember when you could get like 10,000 downloads by getting a free booksy offer. And now it's like, if you get 1200, you're doing really well. Giving away a free book is really hard, especially a book that has been free for five years. 
And then on top of all of that, I picked up a book read-through calculator. So I have a series, Born of Water is the first of a trilogy, but then there's a second trilogy that ha- starts six months after the last book in the first trilogy. So it's really six books. Plus I even have a companion and a compilation of short stories. So I'm talking about, I usually don't count those when I look at things like read-through, right? But technically I have an eight book series going on and jokingly with a few readers recently who found out I had been thinking of a, another trilogy. They're kind of prodding me along, so it might be even more. <laughs> and I took all of my stats from 2019, so a whole year's worth of stats of downloads and read-through rates, and so I used that to calculate my read-through rates. And I found that I, th- I was so happy I had this book one, and the read-through rate, I could give away thousands and thousands and thousands of books but my read-through rate to book two because it was a freebie is incredibly low but after that once i read book two it was over a hundred percent which made me laugh who would read book three Mm. and then to go to the next trilogy go ahead no it was just to add because that that actually links up very nicely with with what we were just looking at with the survey results, right? Because oh, yeah. a lot of those book ones just ended up on 2B red list. And that's why you have a poor read-through rate, not because the book is poor, but because they never read it. So yeah, they never was, go on to book two. Yeah, 4% was my read-through rate, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was incredibly yeah. small. But then book two to book three, you know, it was 100%. And then I would lose 60% to go to the second trilogy, which could be, you know, it wrapped up very well. So maybe they they're done. They want to go to other books. That's quite normal. Yeah, quite normal. Sixty percent is actually not bad. But then again, it it jumped back to a hundred percent to finish off that trilogy. So we're talking about a really strong read through rate. When you add that up, considering how many times I had to give away Born of Water, giving away book one earned me forty one cents for every giveaway. And I had to give away thousands of books. So I mean, we're talking about forty one cents for each giveaway. But if my read-through rate between book one, Born of Water, and it's book two, if that happened to be close to the second series where it was like 60%, I could actually earn $7.21 after off of every sale of book one, which also means I would have to sell a lot less of them to earn a lot more money to be earning $7.21 off of every reader instead of only 41 cents off of every reader. So there's a lot of stuff that I'm like, okay, wait, I'm playing with AMS ads. They're actually working. I'm selling more books. I have this book that has at, at this, at the time it was just under 300 reviews. Um, it's now over 300 reviews. It's got a solid track record. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and try this. And I did. I let readers know that May was the last ditch effort. Last time you're going to be able to see this for free, unless you sign up to get it through like my newsletter. I do have it still as a sign up where that's one way to get it for free, but otherwise on all the platforms, it's a whole whopping 99 cents. But and, <laughs> and it was, you know, May was fantastic for book sales and for giving it away. It was like going back to the old days where people were picking it up left and right because I was really shaking the tree and letting people know this is it. 
this is this is it. This is the end of the run. It is time this book is no longer free. So yeah, May was really fun. And I was running just so people know how the steps for this. I was not just sitting there letting people know it was coming off of perma-free. I was running my AMS ads at this low amount to get those targets. I was starting to already gather those keywords, getting those books, getting everything ready so that on June 1st, when I had, oh, you know, you know how Amazon goes, I actually did it a few days before. So June 1 comes up and I can switch all those AMS ads over to a higher bid rate. I had everything set up and going, you know, over a hundred, I think ads already made and boom, I hit the ground running June 1st with a book that was 99 cents. And how do you think that, how do you think all of June went for me? Which, you know, it was probably a big hint that I asked that we record this in August instead of July. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can of course guess there, but uh, it, it did not go as planned. Um, no. <laughs> but, uh, no, but but the, the thing is also with those AMS ads that, that you you need time to build up the momentum. Um, do. And 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 just switching the ads on often doesn't do much short term uh, and also it also takes time before you have the ads running for a while so that you can add the or you can collect the data and conclude based on the data where to focus your next set of ads so so it's more like i see a, a, ams ads very much like a continual optimization kind of effort where where you start out with a starting point with what you think might work as keywords and such and then you run those once you get enough impressions on them you'll start seeing okay these and these sets works so then you can start building towards that direction and over time you get there and you get some really really well performing ads but it takes time and I, I think that there might be a bit of a misconception in general that some people believe yeah, you just uh, chuck in a set of keywords and then you bid something and then you'll get sales. But that's not how it works. No. And I, what I was expecting was something that was going to happen, like my bundle, The Rise of Fifth Horther, so where you can get all, you get four books for in the bundle. And for that one, you know, it's a typical, you struggle basically to get Amazon to spend your $5. You're trying to get readers. It's a slow burn process. And I would definitely say anyone who wants to try this, you are in this for the long haul and expect the first months to be painful. You're learning. It's a huge steep mountain that you're learning and you're climbing up. And if I have to admit, having a free book and just like once a month slapping to free booksy or these other places saying, hey, you know, promote my book. That is so easy. If you like mm -hmm. Easy yeah. Street, stay with Easy. This is hard. This requires time that you've got to make every single week and you've got to not be intimidated and you've got to be able to either ask questions of other people or kind of be good at marketing and not easy to give up and solve the problems. So yeah, for June, I... I had the opposite problem that anyone told me was going to happen. I actually had to slow down the ads because they were spending like, like I was a millionaire and I could spend money like crazy, but they weren't really? all ending up in sales. Oh my gosh. Suppo were you, were you I bidding guess very high? Or? I was bidding at what um, Brian Cohen and his AMS ads challenge was telling me is a good bidding rate for a book in a series. So we're talking in the 30 cent range, not really high. This is oh, pretty okay. much standard first in a series. This is about what you should start at. Yeah, and yeah. it yeah. was crazy because people were clicking on it left and right because it had 300 reviews. It has a very solid cover, but not, uh, not that many people were buying. So you, you and I worked together and I tweaked the blurb a little bit, which helped. 
but it was still outpacing. I mean, my happily, my total amount of book sales covered what I paid for Amazon ads for June. But there was a moment of holy crap, I don't like seeing negative ROIs on a series <laughs> that was my moneymaker up to this point. Right. And my biggest conclusion is, yeah, people see a book for 99 cents, 300 reviews, cover is decent, they click on it. You don't read yeah. much else. It doesn't matter what else, what my hook could say. They're just going to click on it. So Indeed, and, and that's, yeah. of course, the difference between the click-through rate versus the conversion rate, right? So the click-through Absolutely. rate is basically being determined by the number of reviews and the cover because that's the people that's what people see when they see the ad so mm -hmm. they they might see if you want to of course it's possible to put in a bit of custom text in the ad if people want to do that on the AMS ad but in general it's the cover and it's the number of reviews that will make people click so that's a click through rate so you can have a very high click through rate which will then indicate uh, that your cover is good and your number of reviews is working in your favor But then once they arrive on the sales page, if we can call it that, or the product page, meaning the actual page on Amazon that shows the book and you have the book description and you have the buy link and all that, then it there is two things affecting the conversion rate on that page. And that, of course, is the book description that uh, factors in a lot to whether or not people... So they might have clicked on, oh, that cover looks interesting. So they click on the ad, they come to the book page. And then they read the blurb and it's like, what? No, this is not me. And then gone they are, right? So yep. that need, really needs to hook them. Or it can also be the look inside. So if people check the sample writing and they, they scroll through the first couple of pages on the look inside on Amazon, and then they, if it doesn't engage them enough there, then that might stop the conversion as well. So they don't, buy, they don't click the buy button, right? But yeah, it was just to give a bit of context for, for the Absolutely. listener in, in terms yes. of things and to look for. And these are the things you have to be aware of. And there's also the fact that I am trying this on, at, you know, um, targeted ads with targeted keywords that I've only been trying for two months. And to get keywords that are really going to fit my book and reach the correct audience, it's going to take a lot longer than two months to really gather that data. So I'm basically spending a whole bunch of money to get keywords and it's just getting confusing. I'm basically, you know, going to Facebook and saying, Hey, you like books. Here's my book. And it's too much. It was, I needed to slow it down. And that was basically what I learned is I needed to basically just keep reducing my bid point every week until I got to the point where I got a positive ROI, which I did. Yay. I'm so excited. So I finally hit my <laughs> first month where, I, or my first week where I had a positive ROI. And of course, this is difficult because I'm talking about read-through rate. So I'm not looking at just the ROI on book one. I'm looking at how things are going for the entire series. Are people reading through? Because I'm that is going to determine my overall amount I can bid. So I've finally achieved what I was looking for, where I feel comfortable now trying to look for new keywords. So I'm still really at the beginning stages. But that was my biggest... To me, it was my biggest hurdle is I just don't have the financial wherewithal to keep spending every ounce of money I'm getting for my books just to cover AMS ads. I kind of, you know, like to eat and, you know, I'm a full-time author. This is really kind of, you know, bread and butter for me. So there were definitely those um, first month uh, cringing pain of why the heck did I do this? This was so easy before. But now that I'm finally seeing income again, I can start 
generating more ads, looking for more keywords, starting to pull out the ones that are going to work in the long term. And I think that initial shock of being able to actually spend everything that Amazon, you know, that I want to throw at Amazon is going to be a good thing when I finally hit the right target. I mean, I might still work on the blurb a little bit. It's going to be a matter of checking out keywords. But once I have all the pieces in place, this could be really, really good. I just know it's going to be six months to longer, eight months, nine months, a year from now. Uh, Where will I be with this? I think it'll be in a really good place. And I'm, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, I'm going to be having another series. I'm going to be trying all this again with Fresh, with a series that has never been perma-free as well. But it's definitely been a learning curve. And I think the biggest thing is just not having those moments of panic when, especially when you see income going out faster than you know you really had planned i was expecting you know few sales slow burn trying to accumulate keywords like i was doing with the bundle and instead i had you know the acetylene torch set on high and i was not prepared for that you know if i had hit all the right keywords the first time out and it had just zoomed off the rocket that would have been fantastic but that's not really realistic. And it wouldn't be a good um, learning session to be able to share with all of our listeners. But what <laughs> happens when you take your book off of Permafree? There has to be some pain involved, not just like this yeah, runaway yeah. bestseller. Oh, yeah, I, I had to do it this way. But I think, you know, I will definitely have to maybe put in our schedule or if listeners would like a check in, you know, let us know in the comments. And we can check in again in six months or so and see how the process is going. Because at this point, now I am just trying to get, I had some ads that were not doing anything. So I'm trying to wake those ads up. And I'm just trying to keep that positive ROI going. But again, it's a series, it's a read through. So I have book I'm selling, and there's going to be this lag before people get all the way through the series, and I'll see the income from it. So this is going to be a very slow stepping stone process. I mean, unless I win the, you know, sweepstakes or something, and I have a million dollars, I can throw at it and run everything, you know, (laughs) once to see it all get, you know, figured out in just a couple of months. I don't see that happening. I think this is going to take me a lot of time because I don't, I just simply physically can't dump a thousand dollars a month or more onto just AMS ads just to see what happens. Be really, if anyone is a multimillion out there and they don't know what to do with it and they would like to help me run this experiment, just let yeah. us know. I will happily spend your money. Um, when it's my money and my family, you know, I'm trying to take it a little bit slower. Oh, that's fair enough. Yes. But I will say the conversion rate is up. Excellent. Next week, we will look at the well-known tropes in fantasy and also evaluate if they are quote-unquote good or bad. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on patreon.com slash amwritingfantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday.